This episode of the show is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free 30-day trial and free audiobook of your choosing by going to audibletrial.com slash misspots. Choose from over 180,000 different titles, such as Chris Jericho's latest book, No is a Four-Letter Word. It's even narrated by the man himself. Audiobooks are perfect for the person on the move. Believe me, they're great. Maybe you want a mystery novel or a biography of someone you love. Audible has it all. Plus, it's free to try. If you don't like it, which would be weird, cancel and keep your free audiobook that you downloaded forever. Go try it now at audibletrial.com slash misspots. Audible. Listening is the new reading. Mike, let me get this out of the way right up front. I am not, I repeat, not for forced sterilization of any group of people. But, gun to my head and I had to pick a group. Fans who bring championship belts to professional wrestling shows would be where I'd go. This and other keen observations coming up on the Miss Spots podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the event. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. The whole title belts thing is dumb, right? <laughs> I just advocated. Uh, yeah, I, 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 to I just want to sterilize. I, I them. want, I want it to be known <laughs> that this wasn't just a joke. You should not bring a replica title or or real title if you're just a fan. Like if you're the champion of your backyard fed or indie fed, probably not a good idea to just bring your title belt to a, a wrestling show that you're not involved in when you're sitting in the crowd. I, I like the fact that you said this is not a joke while I advocated <laughs> for sterilization. So <laughs> thank you for being brave and getting that out there in the universe. Let it be known. <laughs> I hope this gets picked up soon. Yeah, this is something we've been complaining gonna about get and canceled. joking about for a very, very long time. We were just at a show recently. Obviously, we went. Obviously, not to anybody else but us, I guess. But when we went to WrestleMania a few years ago, and you see five hundred championship belts, or five thousand, or fifty thousand, whatever it was in the stand stands, it's just hilarious to me. What is the mindset? Like, what is going through your head that you're like? I am taking this. I am holding this on my shoulder the entire show. Like, I don't like holding anything the entire show. Even like I drink a beer fast because I don't want to have it in my hand. Yeah, when I get just food, like, this I is awkward. Sh- I shovel it in my mouth so it's done. So yeah, I think it's absolutely preposterous and silly. But Mike, I think we had a pay per view. I, I believe and- you're correct. And it was uh, it was a mixed bag, but there was some definitely some excitement going on there. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, I, I well, think that's what we're here for. As I say, thankfully we have a podcast just for that reason. 
Um, the, the whole big deal of the Royal Rumble is the two Royal Rumble matches. Um, you were dead on on both of your predictions? Yeah, I was dead on in my predictions yet again. Uh, we talked about this our last show that we've actually been really good with our Royal Rumble predictions over the last couple of years. And I was pleasantly surprised that mine were correct. In hindsight, I think both of the things that I picked were very obvious. But going into it, when we didn't know if maybe Shayna Baszler or uh, maybe Ronda Rousey were coming back or, uh, you know, I, I guess in, in hindsight, it seems much more obvious than it actually was. Yeah. Um, and I, I think when you look at especially the way the matches played out, I think things got a little interesting because let's, let's start with the women's. Uh, which, by the way, was an NXT Royal Rumble because after counting 12 out of the 30 participants in this were NXT or NXT UK affiliated. And if you throw in the fact that Molly Holly and Kelly Kelly and Santina Morello were involved. That's half. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's 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 there. <laughs> there were not a majority of people from the actual SmackDown and Raw rosters on this. This this was not a good Rumble. This was not a good Rumble because for the women, because of the amount of people that were involved, that the rost that the cr- the crowd didn't know very well. I think that was a big mistake. We were missing some big names like Sasha Banks, but apparently it, it was an injury that kept her out of it. And it also just goes to show you, watching this Rumble said, oh, nobody in the women's division on either show is over. Except for, like, Charlotte Flair (laughs) and Becky Lynch, who wasn't in the match. It shows how poorly the women's division has been booked and how, what what do you always say, Mike? They never give feuds or storylines to anyone outside of the title picture, including your tag team champions, because they have to be in the main event title picture. So it, it really exposed the rosters uh, in this match. The winner being Charlotte Flair was something I obviously predicted. You thought that she was the obvious choice, but you were going with somebody. I think you went with Ronda, right? I, I picked Ronda. Yeah, I thought that she would be a surprise entrant. Sure, but if you wouldn't, if you would have been told Ronda is not going to be in it, Charlotte Flair probably would have been your second choice. Yeah. So yeah. I think at the end of the day, it was the obvious choice. Charlotte has been uninspiring to watch for a quite a long time now, and it doesn't really add any intrigue. Now there is talk that she is actually going to challenge Rhea Ripley, and we just watched uh, AEW and did not watch NXT, and there were rumors that she was going to be there for the AEW, or the NXT show. Maybe that's already happened, and we just haven't seen it. That could be interesting. But this was not this was not a well paced rumble. There were not a lot of people. There were a lot of people in here that the crowd was not that into. I mean, there were some good spots in here, and we saw a situation where Shayna Baszler came in and ran rough shot, but I think Shayna Baszler should have run, won this thing. When she came in that late in the match, they could they had a chance to do something special, and they decided not to pull the trigger on it. I think that was a mistake. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, and here here's another interesting stat from, from this show is we had uh, 
Bianca Belair was the Iron Woman of the match. And she was a highlight, and I think that she had a very good showing. Eight eliminations, 33 minutes in the match. Shayna Baszler had eight eliminations, and she was in the match for four and a half minutes. So the, the remember they were talking about Bianca has uh, broken the record for most eliminations. Shayna tied it. So we I mean, had I, both of those uh, that that um, I'm sorry record destroyed by two people. Yeah, and I think you got both shine NXT. on NXT. Yeah, I think we got some little bit of shine on both of them, which is great for both of them. I, I just look at this and go, listen, unless Ronda Rousey is coming back to fight uh, Becky Lynch at WrestleMania, the only real match that in that division that anyone wants to see, as of right now, they could book it so that we want to see something else, but we just got Asuka and Becky. The The buildup was not the best. It was a good match. I'm glad that they did it. Asuka is a, is a real challenger and, and, and is, a, is a real competitor in that division. The only other money match in there is Becky and uh, Ronda. If not, Becky and Shayna is the next best thing. Oh, yeah. That could be incredible. If you're not going to do that, uh, having... Shayna go and beat Bailey is the best thing you could possibly do for SmackDown because Bailey is a lukewarm champion at best. I don't do not think she's clicking. I do not think she's that compelling as a heel. And lukewarm's well, being very, yeah, very nice. I I think that uh, even Shayna coming in, I, I I'd go heel versus heel <laughs> at WrestleMania and and crown Shayna Baszler the champion of the women's division of SmackDown and let her run with it for and hold the title for the next year and a half. I think that would be the best possible thing for that division. So I, I think overall it was a shame that Charlotte won this. Even though I love Charlotte, I just do not think that she has any oomph behind her whatsoever right now. She is as lukewarm as she's ever been. She is as uninteresting as she's ever been. And her having this chance, her coming out and saying, I'm going to challenge somebody, I didn't really care who she challenged. And that was a shame because I'm a, I'm a big fan of Charlotte. I'm just not a big fan of her right now. Yeah. Um, I did double check. Uh, she did not do anything on NXT. Okay. Uh, so it might be coming up at NXT Portland. Uh, that is, uh, I think, coming up this weekend or next weekend. Okay. Um, so it could be something they uh, plan for that uh, event. Sure, and, and then the and the men's Royal Rumble. I think this was a this was a this was a tale of two rumbles. Right, you had the first half, the first fifteen or so entrants, where it was the Brock show, and he just eliminated person after person, and there were a couple people in there that it was a shame like Shinsuke Nakamura and some other people that came in and Brock eliminated immediately. I think this went on about four entrants too long. I think eight to ten of him just tossing them out one over the other would have been really good. And there's enough people on the roster that deserve to be in the Rumble but aren't going to be hurt by Brock throwing them out. So it went out a little bit too long, but it was a different story than we usually get, so I give him a big up for that. And then the rest of the Rumble was a very traditional Rumble in some senses, and mm-hmm. we had some of the breakdown of Seth Rollins being in the ring and eliminated by four people, and Joe and KO being eliminated, and 
fighting with the other people, you know, Seth Rollins's shield 2020 in the back. Alistair Black was a victim of that too. Yeah, it, it, there's there it was a shame that we didn't see you know Matt Riddle being eliminated in seconds. I thought was a mistake. The fact that they put Keith Lee in there. You know, one of the things that really bothers me with the WWE is they have this air about them. Keith Lee got to stand toe to toe with Roman Reigns at Survivor Series. Mhm. And they think that that's a win because he was in the ring with them. Uh, Keith Lee got a chance to stand nose to nose with Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. He really didn't do anything. Really. He didn't eliminate a bunch of guys. He didn't have a long run. And they think that's a win. That somehow because we can put this in a video package five years from now, you just got over, pal. And that's not the case. I've said that a number of times before is their dumb, crazy mindset that just by being there means that you've that was your chance. That was your shot. And hey, look, we threw you a bone and you did this where it's really not. I mean, there's plenty of guys who were like you could then say that for the the first 14 guys in this, well, I'm sorry, 13, not including Brock, then you could say, hey, Elias, look at, he had a big moment with Brock, Eric Rowan, Bob Roode, John Morrison, blah, 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 blah. Like they all got their shot because they were in the ring with Brock. That doesn't fucking make any sense. It doesn't. And listen, nobody got over in this Royal Rumble other than Brock and Drew McIntyre, the, the eventual Brock winner. needs to get over. Well, no, but listen, there's nothing, it's nothing wrong with selling your beast and the guy, listen, we are in, I think the fourth iteration of someone needs to dethrone Brock Lesnar and become the guy. <laughs> For real, yeah. It's, it's, it happened to Roman. It happened with, uh, Seth, freaking Seth. We've just had this over and over again. It's, it's, it's just coming back around. It's a treadmill and hopefully Drew McIntyre is the guy. That finally does it, and I'm thrilled by that. And I'm thrilled that Drew McIntyre was the winner of this Rumble, and I'm thrilled that he's in this position because he's a believable badass. He's a monster of a human being, and he actually looks like he could stand toe-to-toe with Brock and and beat him in a fist fight. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. We, we don't get that very often with Brock Lesnar. But we did not have a situation where someone else really got over in this or a real another feud was really advanced and, and made more special in it. And that's one of the things that always bothers me in the Royal Rumble. There's so many opportunities to do more things and let it split off down the road. Now, actually, you know what? As I'm saying that, you did have Edge and you did have Randy Orton. Yeah. That is split off from that. So I'll bite my tongue on that. That was something they put together. And Edge's return, which we haven't mentioned yet, was a big deal. I guess the reason why is, you know, I had a a lull in my watching of the WWE, and it was all during Edge's run as a main eventer. Yeah. My remembrances, my real remembrances of Edge, all are about him and Edge and Christian as as a tag team. And I'm I'm just I don't have the nostalgia for Edge like a lot of people do, and I'm not trying to say anyone's wrong for it. And I'm thrilled that the guy had a chance to come back, and he looked great, and he cut an amazing promo on Raw, and he did a, a wonderful job. But I just didn't get the warm and fuzzies like some people did. Do did you get those? 
Um, half and half, because uh, I I liked Edge in his very early singles, uh, leading into the Brood stuff. Like I loved the Brood. I know they weren't like completely over, but like I loved Gangrel, Edge, and Christian as a as a mini little faction, and uh, so I was into that. Edge and Christian, big time into them. I kind of missed Edge's ascent into main event status uh, because that was kind of in my lull of uh, not watching wrestling as much. And when I got back into it, he was already an established main event guy. Um, And I was kind of I was happy for him because of being a fan of his. But there was some of his storylines as a main eventer that I just didn't particularly care for. Um, And so like the rated R superstar thing, some of his promo work was good and he's always been a good worker. But I don't know. A lot of his storylines there seemed very childish and pedestrian. I hate on me all you want. So I wasn't super into him in a lot of those things. Seeing the dude come back and like spout genuine emotion coming out uh, for the first time in nine years uh, when he was told, you're never going to do this again. You need to retire or you're going to die. Um, like is is such a heartwarming type of scenario so i like you feel for the guy i I didn't get the super warm and fuzzies but like there were there was some there was a nice smile on my face and uh like this is cool and i remember we were talking like oh is he like is this going to be uh i'm not even going to take any bumps and then he was taking bumps in there he was he was the third longest guy in the match um (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely an interesting storyline to follow. It's just I don't have the emotional investment with the character that a lot of yeah. people did. So I, I felt like I was a little bit cheated by that. And that's why this wasn't a bigger part of this rumble for me when it justifiably should have been. So uh, yes, get, forgive me for not being as invested in this because if you take the Edge storyline out of it, I don't think there was much else other than Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre. But... I liked the second part of the Rumble. I thought that it was good that Drew went over. I thought overall, both the matches together, they served a purpose. Now, the rumor was is that we were supposed to get what we had talked about, and we were supposed to have uh, Shayna Baszler win the Women's Rumble, and we were supposed to have Roman Reigns win the Men's Rumble, and that it was changed last minute. Now, this is... This could be complete nonsense, but this is something I was reading earlier on, and it would have kind of flipped the reactions with Roman being kind of, "Eh, blah, yeah, he's going to win it. He's going to go on and fight Bray. For most of the second half of the match, we were were thinking Roman's got to win this, right? For sure, because he's going to go on and fight Bray, and it's a good reason for him to go on and do that, and they're probably not this behind Drew, and they probably haven't figured out who Brock Lesnar's actually going to fight yet. And... And Shayna would have been a good a good choice there. It's funny because, you know, we haven't started talking about the rest of the card, and I think we should at some point because we can't talk about this forever. But Roman fought Baron Corbin earlier on in the night, and it was a really long match mm-hmm. that didn't need to be as long as it was. It felt like it was two hours long, and it was 20 or 30 minutes long. 
and I'm not invested in Roman Reigns right now. I'm certainly not invested in Baron Corbin. We haven't been watching SmackDown. I don't care about dog food. Don't want to see it on my professional wrestling show. So I, I'm, I'm not invested in this, obviously. No. But Roman was cheered by the crowd. He was over with that crowd. There was a good bit of booze. I, well, I, I didn't think for Roman. I thought that, that for the most part, Roman was cheered pretty voraciously, especially when he they popped for his victory. And then he got in the, in the Rumble match, and they were not that into him. No. They did not want to see him win. And I think that Roman's in this weird position where they still don't want him in the main event. They're happy to cheer him. They're, they, they know he's a talented guy, but they've been so poisoned by the previous runs at the top of the card that they are not ready to buy him as a main eventer and as a, a world champion yet. And they're going to put him in this field with Bray. I have no doubt about it. So I think it's going to be very interesting how that all fleshes out. You know, what? this would be a great opportunity to truly improve one of the secondary singles titles with Roman. Like, yeah, put Roman as your IC champion, a long-running, like, f- take-on-all-competitors IC champion. Like, that could do wonders for that title. It's you got a t- champion who you are proud of, who you really like. Yeah, he's not the the top one, but like sometimes guys are just going to be that guy, like the the upper mid Carter. He might not be the main eventer. I like I I hate that that has to be a thing, but some guys just fit really perfectly into that little hole that you've punched out like it's a square hole hey that square piece fits right in that maybe that's what roman is meant to be and and the fans might not revolt against that if he is like the if he starts rivaling rivaling uh miz and jericho's uh, like icy title reigns and also it might help to rehabilitate him in a little bit. I mean, you put him in a situation. Roman is a talented guy. He's not a super worker in any way, shape, or form, but he can perform in the ring. He's athletic. Right now, they're doing nothing with Shinsuke Nakamura. They didn't have an IC title match at this pay-per-view. They look like they're going to put the belt on Braun Strowman, and he's about as cold as he has been in however long. Yeah, put the title on Roman. Let it, let him have the IC belt. Let him have a long reign with him. Let him defend it against people. Let him show what he can do on that type of the card, that place of the card. And then six months from now, eight months from now, a year from now, when he when people have have seen him with that goal and and start to give him that kind of respect, put him back in that in that spot. I, I think it's a brilliant idea. I I, I haven't thought about that, but I think that's a that's a a really good place that they could go with it that they're absolutely not going to. Yeah. I, I think that they tried that uh, by like Roman's been back for a little over a year now and they, they kind of put him in this mid card to upper mid card role. He, he fought drew he's fought Baron. I can't remember what anything in between you had the, the, uh, the shield go bye bye. Uh, during that time and now they're like all right he's been back for a year people have forgotten about everything that we've done with him before 
They like him because he had uh, he fought off cancer again. Like now it's time to put him back into the main event. And they're like, wait a minute. No, we didn't forget about that. No. Uh, kudos to fans for like not being so uh, not having the wool pulled over their eyes. But uh, at the same time, yeah, it's. Roman's a talented guy. They just have to find the right presentation for him. And I think what you describe is, is a good presentation for him because right now they're just not ready to buy it. But I, I think they're going to go in. I think they're going in. I, I do not think you have another person that can challenge Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. And they have to put yeah. that, that match on the card. And I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to crown Roman Reigns a new champion. And I don't think there's anything we can do about it. I think we should probably. I think we should probably move on to the rest of the card and yeah. what the. I was other... going to say. Speaking of Bray Wyatt, yeah, the the match between him and Daniel Bryan probably the the next best match to me, and well, the, the and the best Bray Wyatt match in his his return under this guise that we've ever seen. Yes. Uh, the the Finn Balor match was a, a spectacle. It wasn't a real match. That's what it was. Yeah, and that was good for what it was. Since then, we've seen pretty poor presentations that have not been that compelling and have worked to kill that character. Honestly, I, I do believe that this match was not fought under red lights. Right? Thumbs up, big thumbs up. That's yeah. a very, very good thing. This match was a competitive match where Bray still showed some of those super superhuman tendencies. Great. Daniel Bryan looked good. The strap match aspect of it did not hinder the match. It added some flavor to it. Overall, this was a pretty good presentation. I thought the finish could have been done a little bit differently. Yeah. And I thought a it little, a little bit. It was anticlimactic is really what it was. But... This was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. I agree. And uh, I, I think that that was, I, I, I think, as good as we can expect from WWE to give us a, a, a blow off to a, uh, a feud like that, that, that WWE doesn't see as a big deal. Like this could have been a big, big deal feud. And had a really great blow off to it. But I, I think that WWE just looked at this as a holdover type of thing. And that's a shame because you, you have two good performers in there. I mean, I mean they put it on Royal, I mean, so on the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Yeah. It's one of the biggest of the year. And it got a lot of TV time and it got a lot of video packages. And I think they put a lot behind it. I don't know if they didn't think of it as that important, but... Uh, Bray Bray needed a little bit of rehab here, and I think Daniel Bryan was a good was a good shot in the arm for the character because Daniel is sympathetic, and we want to love Daniel Bryan in a way that we did not want to love Seth Rollins. So this this was good. This was this was a good step in the right direction for Bray Wyatt. I still feel that they're having a hard time with that character and presenting him on a weekly basis <laughs> as being something that we can we can comprehend of what's actually happening with the character and what's real and what's too outlandish and insane. And uh, all the things that I was kind of worried about when we first started seeing it, mm -hmm. but Daniel did a great job with it. 
And this was an this was an intriguing and a better match than I thought it was going to be. And I love when I'm pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah. Um as and, as for no the rest, goddamn red lights. I just have to say that again. Yes. As for the rest of the card, I mean the Bailey Lacey match was what it was. Bailey's uh, Bailey is not a good heel. She is not a good character. Lacey Evans is not ready to be challenging for a title. Yes. And the Becky Oscar match was fine too. Good match. I thought that this was it wasn't the best we can see out of both these two, but it was solid. I actually really liked the finish to this match. I, I thought it was a unique uh, uh, finish. Yeah, me too. Um, overall, what would you give uh, the grade of this show? This is always one of those things where I'm just going to pull a, a grade out of my ass that I'm probably, if I were to analyze it and break down match by match, would not be true. I, I think this match was a, this uh, this pay per view was a, a C plus. I thought it was uh, fine. I was so excited by the Drew McIntyre finish because I wasn't expecting it when it happened that I liked the pay per view more than maybe I, I I should have. I know the C plus isn't a great grade. But there wasn't a lot of other great stuff on here. I mean, the Andrade and uh, Umberto Carrillo match was just kind of there. That wasn't a, a big plus for me. I'm trying to think of any other matches that were on the card that Sheamus we didn't cover. and Chad Gable. Oh, that was a non-entity. And, and yeah. by the way, anytime a guy named Shorty G appears in your pay-per-view, you get dumbed down at least one grade completely. <laughs> so even if I was going to give this thing a B plus, it becomes a C plus immediately because you choose to call a guy shorty g i i think that's the other the other problem you had some solid matches here that kind of went above expectations but there was nothing else going on we didn't have a tag title match on this we didn't have the ic belt being defended the guys that are holding those championships weren't even featured i mean I think that's a that's a, that's an issue. Well, Nakamura was in the rumble, but, but featured in the worst way possible. He yeah. wasn't presented as a real threat or, or, or a person that could actually have won the thing. He was just another another guy who was fodder for Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I, I think that's an issue. I think it shows the diver, the divisive nature of this roster. This 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 pay per view really really showed that crystal clear. Yeah. Uh, I, honestly, I was going between B minus and C plus. And when you said C plus, I'm like, well, I got to go with B minus then just so I don't look like I'm saying <laughs> this. And that's where thing. I was going to. And I was, I, I went more negative than positive because, hey, listen, that's who I am. Um, so let's go into raw and there's let me, I, I know I don't normally run the raw thing, but I want to start off with something about raw. Okay. And that is, we had the rematch of the U.S. Championship match. Andrade beat Carrillo at Rumble. And then he uh, lost via DQ on this match, was taken out on the outside by Carrillo, and we come to find out that Andrade is suspended uh, for a, uh, a, a, a failed drug test. You know, they this, had to have known about this the night before. 
I, I, the the scuttlebutt and the things that I have read is that they did not. They only knew about this failed drug test that morning of Raw, and they had to put together a finish and put this whole thing together so they could write them off a of TV for a short period of time. The thing that bothers me the most here is that they did what they always do. I think, and I am confident in this, if you were to go back through the last three years of WWE pay-per-views, there is at least one rematch from the pay-per-view the next night on Raw, and I'd put money on it. I'd put money. You know what? Uh, uh, let me let me hedge my bet. 95% of the time. There's probably once or twice it hasn't been, but it, it's almost every episode. If you are trying to tell a story tell that fucking story on the pay-per-view. And if you want to continue the feud, fine. Don't show us the same match the next night on Raw. There is nothing in the world less interesting than to me than the rematch the next night of the same guys going in and doing the same spots and the same everything, especially when we've seen what we would call a definitive finish the night before. If they wanted to write Andrade off, just have him go out and beat a jobber. And to have Carrillo come and have him go out and try to do the uh, the DDT on the outside, and then have Carrillo go do it to Andrade. Done. Yeah. You don't have to have that that match. It's mm-hmm. not necessary. Do not overexpose these guys. Do not give us this whole thing over and over and over again. I I'm just not into it. I I did not watch. And was not that invested in the match on the pay-per-view. I was not invested in this match. And these are two talented guys. Because I, I, I see nothing in this. I've seen it too many times. I've seen these guys fight. I'm. It's probably been six times. I feel like it's 400. So that just drives me up a freaking wall. It makes me bug nutty every time they do this. And they give us the exact same match the next night. Yeah. They just take the easy way out. Uh, and th- and it. When you see something like that, it says to me, we don't have time to put time into thinking of something better. So they're just going to go with the easy thing to do and move on to something that they, the writers, deem more important or the the showrunners deem more important. And Why did Carrillo deserve that rematch? Yeah. I I don't get it. I, I don't understand why that was. I also, as much as I liked Drew McIntyre winning his opening match, he beat the best tag team in the world single-handedly. Yeah. Is that a good thing? And we're going to be told about how dominant they are again next week. The thing, we were making fun of the, the, the club, the original sandwich club, for weeks ahead of them becoming best tag team in the world how they kept on saying they're so dominant, yet they lost all the time. And for the last month or so, they've actually won the majority of their matches and been a, uh, not a dominant force, they, but they a They did force. beat the Viking experience twice. Yeah, they've, they've, they've held their own, and then they just lost to one guy. And I want to see Drew McIntyre get over like anybody else. I, I'm a very, I picked him as my male superstar of the year in 2019 in our predictions. I think this guy's got money written all over him. But I don't want to see him beat two guys. He could have beat both guys in singles matches. Yeah, I don't want to see him beat two guys that are that good that should be presented as being that good. 
ever. I, I don't want to see Brock Lesnar really beat that. I, I don't. I, I don't think that helps anyone. I don't think it makes him look good. I don't think it makes anyone look good. It's, it's unbelievable, in, in my opinion. The only time you should win a handicap match with a competent, and more than competent, an excellent, excellent tag team is on a fluke. Yeah, it should be a fluke because these guys are really, really good and they're really, really talented. And there's two of them and there's one of you. I, I don't like it. I didn't like that at all. But hey, MVP is back. We did not mention this from the Royal Rumble because it didn't matter because he was eliminated immediately. Another guy that I don't have any anything invested in. But hey, him fighting Rey Mysterio Jr. was a thing. It was. He kind of flubbed the six one nine. But, I did. I but I thought that was like on purpose. I don't know. Like it was very weird because he was set up in the six one nine position, and then he kind of hopped up out of it, and Ray still performed it and kicked him in the back. I, I they. I mean, if if that was not the purpose, the commentary covered it pretty well because they were saying, oh, you know, he ended up getting him in the back. He tried to counter it. Blah blah blah. So good for them on that. Which which is. Fine, like uh, if that if that was planned, good because stuff like that should happen probably a little more often. Is we we hear the term glancing blow to kind of cover for flub stuff, but if you're in a real fight, glancing blows happen because you can't hit someone flush all the time. So yeah, it's, it's, I, I guess a, that makes sense. It's a little more believable. Listen, yeah. MVP, I, I, the fact that he lost a match to Ray the night after, that this screams Jeff Jarrett to me. Jarrett was in the Rumble, oh, yeah. I think, a year or so ago, and he showed up a couple weeks in a row to do some stuff. I, I, don't, think, I don't think MVP's having a run. I don't think he's going to be around. But we certainly don't need more guys to do random pointless matches on the main roster because we've already got plenty of them. But so, wait. You wanted me to tweet out that there we needed more people doing that. Are you saying that you were being sarcastic? That was that was sarcasm, Mike. You should know oh. be my by now. Yeah, I think I said the roster is dangerously thin and could really use a few more people to wrestle random matches on Raw and not participate in meaningful storylines. Correct. And by I think I'm reading this verbatim. Uh, <laughs> You know, the thing, one of the things that bothered me the most, and there wasn't a lot more on the Raw that I think has anything that we need to talk about. We had a tag title match with Joe and KO. Yes. And the Vikings took out AOP in the locker room. And all I could think about this whole match was that the Vikings lost their tag championships the week before. Mm-hmm. And they were perfectly fine not getting a title rematch, not going after the guys who they think... It was kind of a screwy... It wasn't a real screwy finish. Rollins hit the stomp on the outside um, on the apron, and that led into the finish. If you want to look at normal tag wrestling, and I, I use normal in quotes these days, that's perfectly acceptable. Guys that are on the outside of the apron constantly interfere with the match. But they should be wanting blood. They should be wanting their titles back. They should be real competitors. And they were perfectly fine being a distraction and taking out the secondary people so that KO and and Samoa Joe could get a title match. 
they don't care about those titles. They don't want those guys back in the ring for a rematch. They're fine being ancillary characters immediately. Completely takes me out of this match. Makes it completely unbelievable. And and then I realize, oh, wait a minute. The reason why is because they're not characters. They're plot devices. Mm -hmm. They have no agency. That's not what real people would do. It's what someone would write them to do. That's the difference between good professional wrestling and bad. Yeah, that's a good point. Because they, like, there was a believable point of this, and I loved the logic that Joe and KO were using in that promo. It's like, how do we know that this isn't a recording? It's like, that's pretty brilliant. Uh, like, yeah, hey, that that was good. I agree. yeah, I like that. And to have then like, well, now you've given away the position as to where they're at so that they can be taken out. Okay, cool. By the former champions who have every right to be angry and want to get their titles back. That was, yeah, that that's when you get into what you were talking about. The second that we stop having real characters wanting to be the champions we get sports entertainment. And what we're seeing is not that it's not entertaining enough to cover up for it <laughs> is, is the best way that I can describe it. The entire rest of the, the night was one question. Why? Why are Charlotte and Asuka fighting? I, I don't know why. I don't know why we continue to see the street profits do anything the Street Profits are doing. I don't know why we continue to see Eric Rowan do the same thing week in and week out and knock it over with no extra spice or anything thrown in there to try to make him over. Just why? Why across the board for an entire hour and a half of Raw is not what I want to be asking. And then the entire the last angle was revisiting what we talked about with, with, with Edge and Randy Orton. There was some real passion behind this it, it, I'm just having a hard time getting really invested. Randy Orton is not that interesting of a character. And I think this was well done. But because of my lack of nostalgia for this, as someone coming in off the street without the, 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 the beer goggles on, without the, that eyes that being, uh, being tweaked by nostalgia... I'm not as interested in this as I probably should be. Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see your point there. And I can almost sympathize. Uh, like, I I talked about my feelings towards Edge earlier. I think that both of our feelings towards Randy Orton are pretty evident right now. It's just that he doesn't grab us as an interesting character right now. And it's also very strange considering Randy and AJ had this really, really heavy-handed teasing towards doing something at WrestleMania, like almost towards the fact where it was said, let's fight at WrestleMania. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, it definitely was. And I, this, this to me reeks of the fact that 
they didn't know Edge was going to be here when they started that storyline. And I'm not going to begrudge them for changing lanes if they think this is the best way. And it is more interesting, Edge and Randy Orton, even though I'm not as invested nostalgically about it. But it still kind of chaps my ass a little bit that they didn't have the the forward thinking and the planning to make it happen in the beginning. There's nothing wrong with this angle. Randy did a great job. Edge did a great job. Everything was clicking. But I, it just, it, I had a hard time getting invested in it because of the lack of nostalgia, because of the AJ situation. And because in general, I've been worn down to not be very invested in Randy Orton segments. <laughs> Honestly. You and I really lack nostalgia, don't we? With wrestling, it seems. I, listen, I pop when I see guys that I love come out. I just, I really want the older generation to service the younger generation. Do we need nostalgia replacement therapy? Maybe we do, Mike. I I just, I really want, I want, I I want the younger guys to get over to a point where they can be nostalgia acts. And I've said this multiple times. We are never going to get the nostalgia acts of 2035 if you don't work on making them over now. Yeah. And there are diminishing returns for all of it. Edge coming back is a big deal. And it's not fair to compare him to Brock and Hogan and Flair and uh, Austin, Shawn Michaels. But the reason why you can't, because people weren't as invested in the product at the time Edge was there. And he deserves all of our respect for what he did in the ring. And he definitely got, I mean, he, the crowd was invested in all, this whole thing. But there's a law of diminishing returns. If Seth Rollins comes back in the same exact situation as Edge, and I hope he never has to because I understand it was a medical issue, in 2035, no, the, the pop's going to be smaller than it was for Edge. Oh, yeah. Because they have not invested the time to get their current people over. Yeah, uh, you're you're dead right. Um, anything else about this episode? No, I think we've talked about this way too much. Honestly, for for an episode that was not that engaging, <laughs> we've talked about it way too much. Yeah. Um, as for AEW Dynamite, um, I I thought this was a kind of pedestrian episode as well. Um, we we got. A dynamite starting off with a, a, a promo, uh, getting into some WWE uh, territory there. And um, listen, I knew that was going to be a, a topic of conversation. The fact that they do this so rarely yeah. made it okay for me. I just wanted to poke a joke yeah, there. Just just don't do it too often. We're going to be fine. Yeah. And and the promo was fine. Uh, what what uh, Mox did was fine, uh, wanting to fight fine the the my my one gripe wasn't even with anything that happened with the participants it was with the crowd one like saying let them fight it's 10 on one like you (laughs) want to see moxley get beaten up like because that's what happens when 10 fight one uh in pretty much any real scenario especially in a 
wrestling promotion that wants to be a little closer to being realistic and not being super cartoony. Um, but then like the, the bucks and the butcher and the blade, it was a, it was a fine little match and it, it did what it needed to do. The every, just, I, I felt like everything was, was fine. There, there wasn't anything that really, uh, jumped out at me. The, the last match we made fun of last week for not making any sense. Why is Darby Allen teaming up with the, uh, private party? And it, it seems like this was all for Moxley to come out and save Darby. They'll probably have Moxley and Darby be in a tag match at some point against some members of the inner circle just as a holdover in the meantime. Uh, so that's why. Yeah, I'm sure about that. Listen, the, the, the opening promo segment, it just went on too long. It, there was yeah. enough meat there for five minutes or seven minutes, and it went on for 15. That's where they... You almost always get into trouble in professional wrestling when you go longer than you need to go. Leave us wanting more is a is a really, really good rule of thumb when it comes to pretty much everything in that business. And yeah, I, I don't... So one of the things that bothered me in that opening segment was they had these five other guys from Brooklyn or whatever it is come in that mattered not. Five on one is enough to be a problem. You yeah. don't need to make it 10 on one to make it really raise the stakes. That's that's pointless. So it was just added filler that was not necessary. And a lot of that just kind of seemed unnecessary. Yeah, it, it really did. Um, and when all when it was all said and done, like Moxley, DDT'd Ortiz, and they all just kind of stood around being like, oh, that just happened before doing anything. Because you would think if you it was a true gang mentality, the moment Moxley laid a hand on the other guy, everyone else would be like, oh, let's fight. But yeah. Uh, it, it, I think it was more just to inflate the whole idea, like oh, 10, 10 versus one. That's a huge uh, difference in odds. But it's just, it's just not unnecessary. And yeah. anytime something's unnecessary, you have to call it out. Um, one thing that I did kind of like out of this that developed out of something that I don't, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like Christopher Daniels character in SCU. I'm going to just say that straight up. I like SCU as being Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. I think that they're a great tag team and their attitudes mix. Christopher Daniels just feels out of place with that. And maybe that's what this whole storyline with the, uh, the Dark Order is all about. Is trying to pick him off from the group as being the outsider of the group that he's already in because like one thing that Christopher Daniels used to kind of be was this quasi not cult leader, but like just dancing to the beat of his own drum, the fallen angel. He wore onks and had like 
attire with hoods and was kind of dark and mysterious. And now he has a mic stand and a microphone and goggles and chance SCU. Uh, like this is a more interesting storyline trying to get him to defect and go to something that is a little more up his alley from his past. Um, so that's intriguing to me. Uh, you're going to get no qualms from me. Uh, Christopher Daniels is the least cool person in the history of the planet. <laughs> and having him dance around with that mic stand is absolutely preposterous. I, it's not It's not good. It's not fun. I don't enjoy watching it. He he knocked the mic out of the mic stand earlier on the show. It, oh, yeah. yeah it, it's not cool. It, it, there's nothing cool about what Christopher Daniels is presenting with uh, with SVU. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, and I also, the, the team that they fought in this match, I was not impressed by. I found their, them to be slow, and uh, the transitions in the ring were not smooth. I have no idea if these are talented people in any way, shape, or form. But And Helico and Jack Evans. Yeah, I, I've, got, I've got no interest in ever seeing, seeing them again. What's funny is the word that you use to describe them as slow is practically the opposite of what they are typically. Uh, there was a transition out of a, like a, a headlock with Kazarian on the mat where the the one guy, the taller guy, got out of the move and it took him 45 seconds to get back into you're reversing it into a headlock or whatever it was. And Kazarian was just, it looked like he was waiting there for an eternity for him to do what he was going to do. It, it was, it looked like amateur hour. Honestly, I I did not enjoy it. <laughs> I did not enjoy these guys ring work. I thought SCU at the very end uh, with Kazarian and Sky doing their thing really made that match something other than awful. <laughs> But the beginning of it was was not impressive, and w- some of the least impressive work I've seen in an AEW ring. Uh, I I would agree with you to a certain extent. Uh, I mean, I'm not super uh, familiar with uh, with a TH2 is the team name. I know a good bit about Jack Evans because he was in Ring of Honor for a long, long time, uh, and is a very talented uh, high flyer. Uh, very acrobatic guy and Helico not so much but I mean this team was very successful in like AAA for a long period of time uh, I just never saw many of their matches so I don't know what's going on there there yeah I, I could see what you meant by some of the pacing with it but I, I don't know how to explain it other than yeah it 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 wasn't the best uh, tag team match that we've seen in AEW. No, it was not. Um, the what about the the Cody stuff with uh, Kip Sabian, Arn Anderson getting physically involved with a referee? It was just too much. I I had I have no issue. I I like. First of all, Arn Anderson comes to the ring with like an Andy Reid style uh, <laughs> a laminated piece of paper. That's a scouting report. Drop in I, Andy Reid's name. I love it. I think that's great. Yeah. I like the fact that there was some stuff on the outside. But Kip Sabian? They're doing this shit with Kip Sabian? Do this in a in a 
pay-per-view, do this in a feud that that do this in a feud that Cody has and use Arn Anderson to add some spice to that feud. Doing this in a cold match that's just kind of there seems it just seems unwise. So I thought it was just, I, I thought it was overbooked. I, I, I don't think this match needed any of that. And I thought a lot of the stuff was creative. I mean, when you had, uh, what's Kip Sabian's girlfriend's name? Uh, Penelope Ford? Co- Penelope yeah. Cruz. No, Ford. Penelope Cruz is an actress. That's, <laughs> that's an actress. <laughs> Penelope Ford, when she threw her boot in the ring to help to distract the ref, for that was great. And Arn getting pissed off about it. All this was really, really good. I just think that this was the kind of stuff that you say for something that's actually actually meaningful. And this was not meaningful. Yeah. So, and this was actually, this should have been saved for a time where Cody loses. Not a time when Cody wins. Yeah. So, I, I thought there were a lot of really good pieces here, but it didn't seem to fit the puzzle they were trying to put together on this particular evening. Yeah, I, I, I would say that. Um, anything else about this show that, uh, stuck out to you? Dude, I've got to call out Britt Baker. Oh, yes, yes. Um, if last week was one of the worst promos in the history of professional wrestling, it probably wasn't, but it was definitely in the lower third. This week, this week, Britt Baker came out and it was her and Shivani. And I said, oh man, this is going to be rough. And she did a great job. She had her presence was better. She spoke more clearly. We didn't see any of the sexual "I look better than you" and all that kind of stuff. She commanded the ring. This this was not this was not a Ric Flair promo. This was not Dusty Rhodes. You know, this is not Steve Austin. This is not CM Punk. This is not one of the best promos ever. But it was very good for what we've seen of her before. The cutting down of JR was sharp. It it winked at the smarks. It was realistic. And even the halitosis, whatever she said about Shivani, it was a little bit cheesy, sure. But if you're going to be a dentist, you can say those kind of things. I thought this was, this was a pleasant surprise. She also had a nice sports dig at the uh, Browns as well, which as I didn't. Being, get, which I didn't get, by the way. Uh, the The quarterback for the Browns' name is Baker Mayfield. So gotcha. She's saying I'm the only Baker that matters in Cleveland or something like that. I figured it was a sports reference. I just don't watch professional football <laughs> this time. But I, I was I last week I was ready to say. Britt Baker, stay off my television forever until you realize and, and and have the ability to do a decent match or do a decent promo. And this week she came back and said, I can do a decent promo and did a really, really good job and helped to sell me on next week. And by the way, the line about I'm on all the buses, I'm on all the trucks, and my smiling face is going to be here in AEW. That's some good stuff, man. Yeah. That's some really, really good stuff. So, uh, yeah, uh, pleasantly surprised, and happy yeah, to be uh, wrong. I I will uh, give credit where credit's due. This was head and shoulders better than 
last week. And the funny thing is, is that she had the first match or two she had on AEW when it first started up last year were very underwhelming. Then she had a pretty damn good match. And I was like, oh, maybe I was wrong about her. She's very hot and cold. (laughs) So I'm not, I won't be shocked if next week is not the best. But we're seeing flashes of ability here. And I hope they cultivate it. I hope they help her. I hope they continue to give her the right material and and, and do what Paul Heyman did for so long in, in ECW. Hide the weaknesses. Accentuate the strengths. That's what they need to do with her. Uh, and, and bring her along to a point where she can really get over and really be a, a force in that division. Yeah, and I think that that's the the MO for AEW in general. Um, I, I think that they've showed that with a lot of the people, even, even somewhat enhancement people, as they still try to uh, show something good about them, uh, even in a loss. For sure, and I also, just to mention, I, I thought that the, uh, the women's match on this card was actually pretty good, too. Big swallow. Uh, the oh the Nyla Rose yeah. and uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good match. Yeah, that was. Uh, and I I I don't pay attention to the rankings when they come out, so I guess Nyla is the number one contender right now. From what it sounded like they were saying, she is. Yes. Okay. That could be. Uh, that could be. A, well, that was our title match, wasn't it? Uh, didn't Riho beat Nyla for the inaugural yes. title? She did. So it could be an interesting uh, rematch of sorts. And Nyla worked her way back up to doing that. Didn't just get some instant rematch. So that's good storytelling there. I agree. Um, all right. I think that does it for AEW Dynamite. I think that does it for the show. Anything else you want to mention? No, I think we're good. All right. Thanks, everyone, once again for joining us. Check out our social media in the meantime. Uh, we're at Miss Spots on Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Spots. You can also listen to this podcast on uh, any of the major streaming services, such as iTunes uh, or rather Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in Google Podcasts, any of those. Also, our website, MissBotsPodcast.com or simply MissBots.com. For Kevin, my name's Mike. We'll catch you next week. Good night. Good wrestling.